Happy Friday. You are tuned to Made the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Media, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. And I am Scott, your host, and a man who is very excited about celebrating uh, two two, uh, huge holidays today. Uh, National Leave the Office Early Day. uh, And also, it is also National Donut Day. Uh, and I know that uh, Paul B. and the folks down at Intertalk Radio are celebrating both of those in their own special ways. Paul, how's it going? You know, Did I you didn't I didn't realize that it's a leave work early day, so uh, see you later. You could land this yeah. one yourself. That's that's <laughs> it. That's it. You guys have been a great crowd. Thanks very much. It is National Leave the Office Early Day, or as I know it, every Friday, because I run my own company and I can leave mm. when I'm done. That's what I'm talking about. That's uh, the great thing about uh, running your own business is you could work half days and it's entirely up to you which 12 hours of the day that is. I know. It's great. It's, well, it's national leave the office early days. So, you know, we'll do this podcast and then that's it. I'm going jumping in the pool. That's what I'm talking about. I was, I was waiting for you to introduce yourself. This, uh, I'm your host, Scott Robertson, the uh, the man that uh, did the Kessel Run in 12 Part Sex. Oh, well, I, did a, so I, I did a Han Solo one last week. So. Oh, did you? Anyway, ah, I did. That's right. Yeah. Very, very good. There is a little bit of it. Uh, did you see Solo last week? Yeah, though? yeah, I, I did. We did yeah. our uh, our yeah. po- podcast about it this week. I oh, get to post everybody, it. everybody's got to check that out when that comes out. That's going to be good. It was a good movie. I really, uh, I really, I dug it. I thought they did a fantastic job. I was very excited. Was uh, good, not, not movie. my crew of drunken naysayers. They, they all had. They didn't uh, like it. <laughs> not, not too. Well, one of them was a, a hardcore Star Trek, uh, Star Wars fan. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he he liked it, but everyone else kind of had a lot of pretty harsh opinions. It, it's always hard to please people with those movies, though. I, it's I like, hard to please. I liked it it's okay. A, yeah, I was I was surprised that Ron Howard directed it. I mean, and, yeah, and, uh, yeah. I didn't know he was directing it. And, I didn't and either. I was like, I was like, well, that's why it was so freaking good. He's an amazing director. Mm. Amazing. Well, cool. Well, uh, as I mentioned, it's National Leave the Office Early Day, and I run my own company, uh, Robertson Communications. We do uh, PR for all kinds of companies um, in, inside and outside the music business um, and uh, help them get their message together and get it out to the uh, the right audiences and do marketing, hopefully, in the right way that attracts people and you know builds friendships and that sort of thing. And I'm very much against the kind of marketing that just bludgeons people over the head until they can no longer see straight. And, uh, you know, kind of, they kind of submit to buying whatever product you're selling. So anyway, if you want to reach me, here's how, uh, you can reach me on my email at scott at robertsoncom2ms.com. Uh, the website, which is, uh, www.robertsoncom2ms, like communications.com and also social media, uh, at robertsoncom on, uh, Twitter and then Periscope, which we're live right now on Periscope. Yay. Woo. And also, um, Facebook.com slash Robertson.com. So you are super smart because you're learning stuff about marketing and listen to me vent about marketing and it's fun. And uh, you are tuned to episode 88 of the big show. And then this one I call the other side of the sword. You know, one of our goals in marketing communications is to really cut through the clutter 
it's to be seen, heard, everything else. And marketers, for the most part, are pretty good at cutting. You know, uh, we're we're good at cutting through. But the exposed blade sometimes of our communications can do a little bit more damage than good. Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, it's not often talked about um, the fact that you know making a decision to communicate at various points sometimes is the wrong decision. You know, uh, this week Roseanne Roseanne Barr decided to tweet, and she thought she'd be funny, and you know, over Memorial Day weekend, and now she was so funny that she's unemployed, and she has a good size, big old crisis on her hands. Um, you know, so. We're going to talk a lot about when the decision to stay quiet is better than actually saying something. Uh, we're going to talk about this, and of course, we're going to, um, you know, just talk about when this whole communications thing can go south on you and what you should do. And also, um, we'll look at who's winning and losing. So join me for this whole episode. We're going to have a, a lot of fun today. So one of the the first things. So I call this uh, this episode the other side of the sword. Uh, and it's not because I'm playing God of War on PS4 right now, and I just want to, you know, although a case could be made, right? Plenty of those weapons that, that you use in like in games like God of War um, can actually come back and, and do damage to you, you know, that kind of thing. But one of the big um, myths about communications, and I run to all the time, is that communications is always good, it's always a good thing, and more of it is always better than less. I don't find that either of those two things is true. I think that communications is should have a bit of a place of reverence that when we decide to use it, we should know exactly what it is that we're trying to do. We should it sometimes people just sort of forget about it and say, "Oh, well, we just do marketing and communications oh, and we just we just do communications, you know, all the time." That is the wrong strategic approach in my opinion. You want to Make sure that you pull out this weapon when you're ready to use it and when it does something specific for you, you know, and then you put it away until the next time you're going to use it, you know. So there's plenty of examples in this week in particular. I mean, let's talk about Roseanne for a second. You know, Roseanne, uh, you know, Roseanne Barr, um, you know, was having a great comeback on, you know, her show and, and on ABC and had, you know, obviously... Uh, uh, you know, it went, it was, uh, it had great ratings and, you know, was picked up for the, you know, for another season and yada, yada and all that and all that kind of fun stuff. And then she goes and she, and she uh, tweets about a former uh, Obama aide and, um, you know, it makes sort of an unfunny joke that it certainly can be interpreted as racist uh, very, very easily. And, and that's really how everybody took it is the fact that, you know, she was, you know, at the very least, she was commenting on this woman's looks, and at the very, you know, most, she was making a, you know, an, an incredibly inappropriate, racist, you know, comment. And it was no doubt about it. You know, sometimes comedians try to be funny, and they they walk the line, and sometimes the line, you know, snaps back. But you know, I think that in this day and age that we live in, in Twitter. Where uh, you know we one of our last episodes we talked about the science of BS and everybody's sort of encouraged to have an opinion on everything. Well, professional communicators will advise against that, right? Because you don't have an opinion on everything, and you should damn well keep it to yourself most of the time. To be honest, um, just from a for a, a business making sense in business sort of thing. Um, one of my favorite stories. It reminds me of um, you know. Uh, 
I, I, I read about our president, Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln, who is thought, you know, who is thought by many, you know, none of us knew Abraham Lincoln. We just know what other people have told us about him. And one thing about him was he had a, quite a temper. And he would um, write these really nasty letters to people who uh, displeased him, right? People who didn't do what he thought should be done. He wrote these nasty letters. And, and you know, then weeks later, you know, somebody would be reading a really nasty letter. And that was the, you know, and in that day and age, you know, that was the speed of, of communications. And that's, that's how you let people know that you were upset with them. So... So Abraham Lincoln wrote these nasty, nasty letters, right? And the reason that we know this about this, by the way, because you never heard anything about this, right? You never heard anything about it. But when after Abraham Lincoln died, you know, so so he was, well, first of all, he would write these letters. He would give them to his secretary. She would mail them. There you go. He's done. After he died, they found several huge chests full of nasty letters that were never mailed. So his secretary would take those letters from him, you know, after he'd been, you know, fuming all day and writing a really nasty letter or whatever. And she would just take this, this, uh, you know, letter and deposit it in this chest and not mail it. And so he, you know, vented and vented and vented at, at, at all these people and they never received it, you know. I think that Twitter could use a feature like that, by the way, some sort of a, of a buffer zone kind of thing where you, you fire something off and it, it, it and it, it doesn't, you know, launch for like, you know, three or four hours or something or, or I don't know, 60 minutes, something like that. But I think we could kind of use that because a lot of people get in trouble because they uh, fire off um, communications sort of in the heat of the moment. And, um, and that's not good. And that's not good. You know, um, I think we could all use a secretary like Abraham Lincoln had that had the good sense to throw some of the nasty grams in the um, in the big case, you know, in the big uh, chest of drawers there. So anyway, you know, let's talk about the NFL for a second, you know, because we're, we're talking about the decision to use communications or not use communications. Right. The NFL has one of the worst communication strategies and departments that I've ever seen in my career. I mean, they step in it more times than I can count. And and it's an organization that has, you know, professional counsel. They have, you know, high ranking, you know, senior, you know, communications folks working in these jobs and everything, but man, they step in it. I tell you what, the, the national anthem thing is a great example. So, Colin Kaepernick decides, you know, to to um, kneel because his people, uh, he's actually African-American. His people are, you know, being persecuted by the police in his view. And and thus, you know, he he decides to uh, to kneel down because he's no longer, you know, happy. And this is the backup quarterback. This guy's not even the starter, you know, at, at it's not like Tom Brady doing it. Right. It's it's just it's just this this guy doing this. Then. So the league has a choice here. Right. And the league decided to make a big statement. And the big statement was, uh, well, we support his right to, you know, to uh, kneel and and uh, and we support his right to protest and, and yada, 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 and all those kind of things. And what happened? 
what was and 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 let's just talk about you know you can talk about right wrong whatever let's talk about what happened what happened was they created a ginormous you know poop storm of communications around this national anthem um protest um you know when none of it was necessary none of it was i mean you know people tune into the national football league because they want to watch nfl football I could give a flying crap one way or another what Colin Kaepernick does with the rest of his career or or anything else. He is a C-list football player at best, you know, and and had his best days, you know, six, seven years ago. I mean, it's just, and yet this, you know, because the communications was managed so poorly and because the NFL had to make a big statement, they had to make a huge statement about this. They lost about, you know, I mean, they, they lost sponsors. They lost their audience. They lost everything. And all they had to do was was say nothing about it. You know, I mean, uh, I am an advocate of some, sometimes saying nothing. I think, and, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more, you know, sort of when it makes sense. In fact, my, my third segment, my tips are going to be, um, my tips today are called when staying quiet is actually better. And I'm gonna give you a few of my, you know, statements about that. But the idea that a company has to say something about everything that comes up to me is ridiculous. It reminds me of that, um, uh, time management work. If you ever go to time management workshop, um, I uh, went to one of those one times, and this guy had a visual aid, and he and he, he was throwing a he was throwing a ball, right to people, and he he threw a, he threw a ball to me, and he said um, he he's like uh, he's like why did you catch that ball, and I said well you know dude because I'm in a seminar and you threw it at me and I didn't want it to hit me in the head and you know it was it was coming at me you know and and so I and so I I caught it. And then, you know, and he said something that was pretty profound, you know, in my young career that I never forgot. And he said, no, you chose to catch it. He goes, and you could choose to not catch it. He said the choice to catch the ball, you know, or or the, the choice to act or not to act is actually a choice. And a lot of people don't believe that it's a choice. They think that when, um, somebody tries to pull you into a story and, you know, and, and, they trying to get a comment out of you and those kind of things. They think that every single time you have to have an opinion, you know, an, an opinion on that. And, you know, and I disagree with that, but I will say just in the same breath, just because you're not going to make a comment on a story from a PR perspective, you always get back to the reporter. That whole business about this could not be reached for a comment. No, 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 no. We are building relationships with journalists. We do not let reporters phone calls, uh, you know, uh, sit in voicemail and not get returned. That is disrespectful. That is unprofessional. We don't do that. So, um, make, let's make sure that we, that we know that, you know, but I've had plenty of calls with, 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 uh, reporters where my, uh, you know, where I basically just said, you know, we just don't have anything to add to that. You know, we don't, we just don't have anything. There's nothing, you know, um, we don't have anything to contribute an organization that I'm, you know, representing, um, you know, and sometimes, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, you know, it just, it, it is, it, but you make the choice whether you catch that ball or whether you drop it and that, and, and you can make the choice to let that ball go, you know, uh, 
it's not just for time management. It's important. It's important stuff. You know, I mean, let's talk about, let's talk about Henry J, right? Henry Jeskowitz and Gibson. Um, when things started to kind of go south for Gibson earlier this year, remember the story that we talked about on winning and losing where Henry Jeskowitz gave an interview with music radar and then literally started blaming the customers for not wanting all the quote unquote latest and greatest technology that Gibson was providing. So, and as I said at the time, it's like, it's like that. I I don't know what, I don't know what you're thinking in this case, because there is no win for you in blaming your customer for their wants and needs being wrong. Right. It's like, it's like, this is not the Henry Ford days where you can have any Etzel you want as long as it's black. It's like the customer's completely and 1 million percent in charge of this game. And the minute that you start to say, oh, well, Customers should want this, and they should want this, and they should want the, they should want auto tuning guitars, and they should want um, you know uh, all this technology. But instead, they want um, this this vintage sound. You know, it is not your job to you know decide what consumers want or not. It, as a marketer, it's your job to listen to the market and respond in the best way that you know how. There is absolutely no win in saying things like that. And it, um, and I think it contributes to people saying, well, you know, uh, other, you know, other companies are doing just fine with it, you know, and, and actually, actually Gibson was doing just fine with this vintage stuff as well. It's just this, it was, it was just really an unnecessary thing to say because communications has a sharp other side of this sword, man, and you got to pay attention to it. But you are tuned to the, uh, the the best show on the radio, to be honest. May the best brand win on Intertalk Media, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. Come on back. We're going to talk about who's winning and losing this week. See you in a few. Thanks. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio. To sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal, on stage, and into the big time. Dropping beats, shredding guitar, or making the crowd roar. Whatever you dream, Pitbull Audio can help make it happen. We are Pitbull Audio. We want you to play it loud. PitbullAudio.com. This is Jackie Bertoni from Jackie's Groove. Come join me weekly on my journey through the music business as I take you behind the velvet rope, interviewing industry notables such as Al Dimiola, Michael McDonald, and Al Jarreau, to name but a few. Listen to their stories on being in the studios recording number one hits and onto the stages throughout the globe. Allow me to be your music historian. You can hear me live every Monday at 2 p.m. and every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time or 24-7 on Jackie'sGroove.com. Ready to get your groove on? Hi, I'm Tim Dolbear, the host of Sound Experience on Intertalk Radio. Each week, I talk with top professional audio engineers, producers, musicians, and the manufacturers that make the tools that we use in the studio each and every day. From capturing the perfect take to mastering your final release and the tools and how the pros use them, we are going to dive deep into their process and learn from their experience. I look forward to you joining us each week on Sound Experience with me, your host, Tim Dolbear. Make this your vinyl night. I'm John J.R. Robinson, and every week, music creation comes alive through stories, experiences, and sounds when vinyl records filled our hearts and minds. My friends and I share our tips and techniques used in creation of iconic tracks for recording artists such as Michael Jackson, Eric Clapton, Quincy Jones, and Steve Winwood, to name a few. 
Vinyl has emerged hot, and the soul of vinyl defines art and passion, which burns deepest at night. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on entertalkradio.com. May the best brand win with Scott Robertson's Music Biz Marketing Strategies. Now, here's your host, Scott Robertson. Hey, hey, happy Friday, everybody. You are super wicked smart as you are tuned to May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Media, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. Today, we're talking about the other side of the sword, communications that can come back and cut you. Paul B's there. Paul, what are you, what are you liking so far? How are you doing? I never knew that story about... Uh uh, about Lincoln and, and the chest of yeah. letters. That, as soon as you started saying it, I was like, oh man, that's just like Donald Trump, except with a yeah. buffer. Yeah. Except for the buffer. You gotta, yeah. The buffer zone, man. You know, it's just. And it's yeah. really hilarious that really they're, you know, if, in that respect, there's no difference b- between them. They get angry at an opponent and they just like have to vent r- right away. It's just that the, the world was different back then. And he, uh, yeah, he, he had a savvy secretary that would know not to send these things. <laughs> Can you imagine too? Amazing. He gets he, he gets mad and he's like, "Well, I'm really upset with this general. I'm going to write this letter, and in three to four weeks, he's really going to know how I feel." <laughs> you know, it's it's like it's like it, it, it about it like. And by it, then, it, he's, he would have probably calmed down and forgot what the whole row was about in the first place. Exactly. I mean, when you think about it, you didn't see these people for you know for weeks and weeks, and it took it took weeks and months for this this stuff to happen. So, I mean. If you were mad at somebody, you'd have to at least have do them the courtesy of staying mad for a few months yeah, until you have they at to least like, got the letter. Yeah, you have to nurse that rage for like weeks every morning. I remember I met a general so-and-so. I'm still mad. When he, when, when he sent, and three to four weeks later, when he sends me his retort back, I'm going to be fuming. Mm-hmm. You, would, you would really have to, you'd have to hang on to that grudge for a long time. Got to say, you could you could make it like a chess match. You could anticipate what his reply will be to you and start writing your reply to his reply before you even receive the reply. I like it. I like it. I don't think any of us would do well back in those times. No, we don't have the attention span or the patience. We don't. We don't have the patience. I can't. You you can't wait three or four weeks or something. The whole whole thing's you know changed by then. So anyway, uh, but we're going to talk a little bit more about when to stay quiet uh, in segment three. But right now, let's dig into. Who is winning and losing this week in marketing communications? So um, I started the show out talking about Roseanne and, um, you know, obviously losing. Um, you know, uh, she she did a tweet today basically where she's, she's leaving Twitter. Bye-bye. And she says, I end today by offering everyone involved one more apology and prayers for the healing of our divided nation uh, tomorrow is Shabbat, and I will continue to pray that everything go- for everyone goes forward and ends well for all. Signing off Twitter for a while. Love you guys. Roseanne Barr at The Real Roseanne. Uh, so, again, you know, we sort of beat this till death, but in this segment, you know, we talk about who's winning and losing, and, and it, it definitely needs to be noted, the fact that her show was canceled. A lot of people lost their jobs this week um, due to... One tweet, you know, uh, not just Roseanne losing her job, but the cast, the staff, the, um, I mean, you know, hundreds of people are out of work 
you know, uh, on this whole thing. And, and plus, um, there's plenty of people who have to, you know, move quickly and, and adjust at the network. And, you know, I mean, it's, it, you know, things like that affect a lot more than just one person. So, but we're going to put them, I guess, firmly in, um, in the, the, uh, the losing category. That's somebody that could benefit from some of that Abraham Lincoln magic of, um, throw of make writing your comment and throwing it into a box and not sending it. Uh, that kind of thing is really, uh, could be useful in our society today. Oh, did you see the, the Ambien comment that went along with it? I did. I did. I thought that the Ambien thing was because she mentioned that she was um, on Ambien and then Ambien uh, countered and said, uh, one of our side effects is not racism. Yeah. <laughs> pretty funny. I, I thought that was, I mean, it's, it's pretty well done. You know, uh, the whole, the, the whole thing's just a mess, you know. For, and, for once, a, a dangerous, uh, addictive drug has the moral high ground. I know, right? That's rare. Exactly. If, if, yeah, exactly. If a pharmaceutical company is is schooling you on on your morals, you got uh, you got bigger problems. You know, uh, spam this week. The food, not the email that you hate, um, is was found spam the the stuff uh, in the can that you always walk by, and this um, it's described as the salty canned meat. That doesn't help me, by the way. That doesn't sound good at all, but. Uh, for over 80 years, the salty canned meat has been feeding America. <laughs> I, I really don't know who that could be, to be honest. <laughs> but the Department of Agriculture issued a recall of more than 228,000 pounds of canned pork and uh, chicken products, including Spam, made by Hormel, after customers complained that metal objects were found inside. Probably because, you know, the can is metal. And, I mean, that, that'd be my guess. Um uh, there's a product called Spam Classic, that, and that was uh, that that product was recalled. Um, so, Spam is losing for a lot of reasons, but certainly this week it's losing um, because it has little pieces of metal to uh, you know. We should do some. There needs to be like a survey. Uh, I've never actually met anyone that's eaten Spam. I have to say, you know, it's, it's something that it's at every store. You know, it has been for all of my life. I've never actually met another human being that is has eaten it. I think in Hawaii, though, I think they they do the spam and eggs thing. I think they do eat I, spam. I think you've met him, Scott, and you just never knew. I've Florentina. I've had spam. Oh. Well, you Florent- had spam. Yeah, spam is actually not bad. I don't. I only had it a few times, and it's not a regular thing, but it's not bad. And <laughs> and yeah, they, they do use it in Hawaiian Hawaiian dishes. It's, Hawaiian uh, dishes. It's not as well, bad as everyone makes it out to be. Well, well, watch out for a while because um, it's been recalled because it has metal in it. Heavy metal. Heavy metal spam. I haven't had it in years, so I'm in no danger. I'll stay away. No no danger. And they're, they're losing this week because of the whole, um, the whole recall affecting their communications. You know who else is losing this week? Sears uh, announced recently that it's going to close another 72 stores, possibly more. After reporting a four hundred and twenty-four million dollar first quarter loss, so they uh, have losses and plunging sales, struggling, struggling, struggling. Um, you know, basically, which you know, Sears is based in um, Illinois, 
they lost $424 million or $3.93 per share in the first quarter. So, and um, they sold the Craftsman brand, a few things. You know, re- retail's always been hard. It's, it's particularly hard right now. And companies like uh, like Sears, who have desperately tried to kind of reinvent themselves, um, you know, are really... To me, they seem to be clinging on to a model that no longer describes how people shop. And I think that that, um, you know, that's important, right? It's like they say, hey, we want to be the they want to be the new Sears, we want to be these kind of things. It's like, well, then you probably shouldn't have these huge buildings that have, you know, um, that require, you know, all these employees and all these kind of things. You know, you need to, you know, you need to change your ways your business model things like that and not just like a marketing change and those kind of things but you know it's like you need to do some serious soul searching and say well what is Sears going to be you know in the in the era of you know e-commerce and specifically amazon.com you know what what room do we have in our lives you know for a Sears these days uh and and I'm I'm not saying that there isn't there could be but that's a question that needs to be asked um, rather than, um, you know, just trying to kind of hang on and continue to close stores and, and that kind of thing. It's not looking good for Sears right now. We're going to put them firmly in losing. On the other side of the mall, there's a story this week about Focus Brands and uh, Cinnabons and uh, Auntie Anne's pretzels are doing great. Um, so, Really, um, and and this is really kind of just shows you, you know, the difference in, you know, the model and, you know, how it kind of fits into our world today. But um, it's not like every store at the mall is doing poorly. You know, uh, the, again, the Cinnabon brand and the Cinnabon company, you know, uh, backed by this Focus Brands, uh, they, they are doing very, very well. Uh, they're also looking for ways to combat um, declining mall traffic and trying to figure out ways to bring the products to people, you know, things like, you know, shipping Cinnabons directly to people, you know, and, um, you know, uh, people are bringing pretzels and pretzel dogs into businesses because, you know, you can cater with Auntie Anne's online. There's things like that that are are going on. So anyway, I think, um, that's one thing that, you know, you know, Sears needs to kind of look at and say, you know, what, what things are doing well, you know, and obviously, uh, what can they, what can be learned from those, but we're going to have to put, and we're definitely going to put focus brands, uh, Cinnabon and Auntie Anne's pretzels in the, um, in the winning category. And, uh, I mean, you, you really can't walk by the Auntie Anne's pretzel thing, you know, a little pretzel store without going in there and, and eating one because it's there, you know, makes your mouth water when you're walking through the mall. So anyway, that's how they do it. And, um, I thought we should definitely keep them in the uh, winning category. You know, who else is winning is man, the USA, geez, the, the jobs report came out today and wow. Uh, econ- uh so, so, uh, uh, economists fo- forecast that the employers added 190,000 jobs, and the, while the unemployment rate remained at the 17-year low of 3.9%. So May is the 92nd straight month of job growth in the U.S., which is the longest streak 
ever, in case you're uh, curious. Uh, job openings are at a, uh, a two-decade high, according to the most recent data, uh, which is good news for all the young people graduating, right? That there's uh, there's job openings, those kind of things. Um, you know, really, I mean, really impressive, impressive stuff to see the uh, the jobs uh, the jobs report. And I also saw a, tw- a tweet from one of the business outlets uh, today that said that President Trump actually tweeted out the numbers, talking about communications, right? Um, so the jobs report affects stock market, right? And I believe President Trump tweeted it out before the news media uh, or before the um, department actually released it. <laughs> They're going to have to speak to him about, you know, the the protocol of uh, of, of doing that before the, the, you know, you're you're at the Bureau of Labor Statistics and everybody's waiting for you to release your report. And Trump has like beat you to it by like an hour or two, you know, uh, you know, in his Twitter feed. <laughs> I found that kind of funny to be honest. They need to. You know, sit down and say, okay, so when this comes out, this is how we do it. You know, that kind of thing. They need to need to talk to him about that. Anywho, USA, USA, baby. It's uh we're we're doing great. The economic forecast uh so so bright we got over shades. You know who is uh losing its cool uh among teens, which is this is not a huge surprise, but there was some new data that came out today. Uh Facebook is losing its cool and teens are really picking YouTube and Snapchat as their social media of choice. So three years ago, Facebook was the dominant social media site among us teens. It was visited by 71% of people in the, in that demographic, but not no more. Uh, only 51% of kids 13 to 17 use Facebook because all of us old fogies are all over it. And uh, the world's largest social network has been eclipsed in popularity by YouTube, Snapchat, and Facebook-owned Instagram. So it really, um, in this report that came out uh, today, uh, researchers wrote that the social media environment today revolves less around a single platform than it did three years ago, especially when when you're talking about, um, you know, when you're talking about teens. YouTube's is the most popular and used by 85% of teens. Um, so that's really uh, important to know that. As a marketer, you want to stay up on this stuff, right? Because it, it changes, changes, changes. Um, th- this was really interesting, too. Uh, the Pew Research report that came out noted that the biggest change since its last survey, besides Facebook's fall from dominance, was how ubiquitous smartphones have become among young people. 95% of teens own a smartphone or have access to one. And 45% said they're online on a near constant basis. Um, Don't know what that means for society. Probably not good news for society, to be honest. But um, as a marketer, you need to know that um, if you're trying to reach teens, then obviously you you better figure out a way to do it on the smartphone. You know, on the smartphone. Very, very important. And sounds like you should be doing it, you know, through YouTube on the smartphone. So anyway... Facebook losing, the rest of them winning. Uh, Walmart is actually winning. They unveiled a new employee perk. They are starting to pay for the college tuition uh, for helping send some of its workers back to college and try to keep them, you know, with the company. So uh, starting uh, this week, they are able to enroll and study at the University of Florida or Brandman University or Bellevue University. And um, I saw this advertised also uh, up here in Orange County where where I live. 
is that where that's where Brandman University is, and um, and they were talking about Walmart employees can come can come in and you know enroll, and really um, Walmart will subsidize the um, the cost of of higher education for its employees um, who are looking to earn that college degree. So I say kudos to Walmart. That is a really really cool program. It's exactly what they should be doing. And, um, and it does keep in, in line with, um, you know, uh, what Walmart talks about its, its, its values being and, you know, valuing its, uh, its employees and, and their development. So anyway, I thought it was a good story and certainly Walmart in the winning category. Uh, you know, who, you know, who else is, uh, is winning according to, um, uh, American consumers are any brands that have, that are purpose driven that have, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, more of a, a tied to a cause. There was a new study that came out from, uh, from Cone and Porto Novelli, 67% of respondents said they feel companies with a purpose care more about them and their families. 79% of respondents said they're more loyal to purpose driven brands and 73% said they would defend them. And another 67% said they are more willing to forgive such a company or forgive a company uh, for making mistakes. Uh, 78% of respondents said they would tell others to buy from those companies, and 73% said they would share com- uh, content about that company. Uh, nine in 10 respondents said they would buy a product from a company with a purpose. Um, so, anyway, it and and certainly this uh, this plays into uh, brand loyalty. So if you kind of wonder why you see, you know, Wells Fargo, you know, donating $50,000 to Goodwill, which I saw this morning, or you see all these other kind of things, um, it's because, uh, you know, they're trying to build trust. They're out there in the marketing puzzle trying to build trust. That's who's winning and losing this week, folks. And you're winning because you're tuned to Made the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Media, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. Come on back. I'm going to give you some tips on when staying quiet is better than talking. See ya. Hi, I'm Tim Dolbear, the host of Sound Experience on Intertalk Radio. Each week, I talk with top professional audio engineers, producers, musicians, and the manufacturers that make the tools that we use in the studio each and every day. From capturing the perfect take to mastering your final release and the tools and how the pros use them, we are going to dive deep into their process and learn from their experience. I look forward to you joining us each week on Sound Experience with me, your host, Tim Dolbear. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio, to sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal, on stage, and into the big time. Dropping beats, shredding guitar, or making the crowd roar. Whatever you dream, Pitbull Audio can help make it happen. We are Pitbull Audio. We want you to play it loud. PitbullAudio.com. Make this your vinyl night. I'm John J.R. Robinson, and every week, music creation comes alive through stories, experiences, and sounds when vinyl records filled our hearts and minds. My friends and I share our tips and techniques used in creation of iconic tracks for recording artists such as Michael Jackson, Eric Clapton, Quincy Jones, and Steve Winwood, to name a few. Vinyl has emerged hot, and the soul of vinyl defines art and passion, which burns deepest at night. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on EntertalkRadio.com. This is Jackie Bertoni from Jackie's Groove. Come join me weekly on my journey through the music business as I take you behind the velvet rope, interviewing industry notables such as Al Di Miola, 
Michael McDonald and Al Jarreau, to name but a few. Listen to their stories on being in the studios recording number one hits and onto the stages throughout the globe. Allow me to be your music historian. You can hear me live every Monday at 2 p.m. and every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time or 24-7 on Jackie'sGroove.com. Ready to get your groove on? May the best brand win with Scott Robertson's Music Biz Marketing Strategies. Now, here's your host, Scott Robertson. Hey, hey, everybody. It is still Friday, and you are tuned to Made the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Media, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. We just talked about who's winning and losing. Our, we learned a great revelation about Paul B. down in the booth in Intertalk Central. We learned that he eats spam on a regular basis. He's staying away from the metal pieces. Yeah. Paul. Yeah, I, I hope you haven't lost too much respect for me. Maybe this was one of those examples of when not to speak. <laughs> That's right. I'll own it. I'm proud of it. Spam's delicious. Spam's delicious, he says. And uh, I know I know too many Hawaiian people to uh, to talk talk badly about it. That's true. They do. You know, they do eat the spam and eggs and everything uh, in Hawaii. I just got back from there, and um, they they love it. That gotta say, never never tried that myself. Gotta say, yeah. But uh, the winning and losing stuff, the the Roseanne thing is really depressing to me uh, for for the reason you, yeah. you you stated. It's like when you think about all the people that lost their their jobs and and their livelihood because of like one yeah. like stupid little thing. That's you know it may be a messed up thing to say, but it's you know really at the end of the day, it's like it's just someone like like pr- pressing pressing their thumbs into a phone, and yeah. and, and as a result, like so much so much destruction it's it's crazy it is it is and it, and um you know and then you know samantha b came out this week also and said something you know horrible about you know someone else and and uh you know or, or about ivanka trump she said something uh terrible about ivanka trump and uh you know you know her show wasn't canceled you know this kind of thing and and you're like directly insulting you know family member of the president of the united states it's like you know yeah, but, and the the thing I also don't get is like th- these people. I mean, maybe it is the ambient kicking in or whatever. But like, you are a celebrity. Like, you know how this works. Like, yeah, y- you got to think before you sp- you speak. You got to realize the kind of platform you have. Like, I'll I almost like I'll, sometimes I'll start some kind of like ranting thing on on Facebook. That's some sort of like a very very marginally <laughs> held opinion that I know no one's going to share. And I get to the end of it, and I'm like my own uh, Lincoln secretary. I'll just delete it. Like I kind of got it out of my system, typing it out, and I was like, I don't want this out out there. Like, what am I trying to accomplish? Smart, smart. So you you, you start you, you're in there on the Star Wars forum, and you're like, I think Solo shot first. <laughs> well, he did shoot first. <laughs> he did. He'd actually shoot first. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's just facts. That's not an opinion. That's right. And and you're like, uh, and he should have. He, he he gets shot a second later. He doesn't. So yeah, I don't think that makes you less a hero. That makes you an alive person. Yeah, you know. But the point is, I, I'm a nobody, and I know not to just blab, just not you know nonsense opinion for for no reason. When you're as big as Roseanne or one of these people, like just yeah, just get some breaks. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's so it's so true. And it affects, you know, affects a lot of people. 
Well, good. Well, that is a great segue uh, to good old segment three here. We're going to talk about, I'm going to give you some of my um, uh, Robertson com, Scott Robertson patented tips on when staying quiet, uh, either organizationally or personally, whatever, is better. Um, Here's when you should stay quiet. Number one, when you really don't have anything important to say, um, and and I see marketing companies violate this all the time. Um, they they have a a checkbox um, on the um, the to do list this week that says, "Well, we said we were going to send out an email, and so we got to fill it with something." And so we're gonna and I, and people have actually had that conversation with me before, and they've said they said, "Well, we got well, we're supposed to send this out, so we need you know we we have to send this." It's like, you know. No, you don't. No, uh, my response back is almost always no. You don't. Uh, that it that kind of mindset leads to um, you know people unsubscribing from what you're doing or getting off the brand carousel. Um, if it's not great, you shouldn't send it. You know, if it's not great and it's not helping you and it's not going to be, you know, something that is just you're really excited about then don't get mired down in, you know, sort of artificial deadlines, you know, an, an artificial, um, not even deadlines, but artificial action items, you know, oh, well, we always send out an email every Friday. And so we're, you know, we, we have to, it's like, well, let's skip one. You know, I mean, if, if we really don't have anything to say, staying quiet is going to be a superior move for us. It's going to be a superior move for us if you consider the other side of the sword, right? What if we send it out? It's average. It's not terrible. Let's say it's average. And we get a bunch of people who hit that very first button on their smartphones that says unsubscribe. You know, that very first uh, link at the top now says unsubscribe. What if we get a bunch of unsubscribes? Because people are like, oh, this sucks. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm rethinking whether I want to have a relationship with this company or not. Um, and it happens all the time, people. It happens all the time. Just because people opted in, you know, in 2014 for you does not mean that, you know, here today in 2018, they're going to stay with you. You have to earn it. We as marketers have to earn it. And we need to have something important to say to them about their needs, their stuff. So, you know, kind of your checkboxes on the marketing checklist really don't equate to earning attention. Um, so that's a good time to stay quiet. Uh, man, let's see. Number two, when you have no business weighing in and saying anything, uh, you know, again, uh, the Roseanne example leaps to mind, right? But hmm, it is something we've talked about regularly on the show is that, you know, there is a lot of pressure in our world to have an opinion. And if you're a, a thought leader, a business leader, um, you know, a whatever, you're thought to have opinions. Like, for example, you know, we we love our actors. We love our A-list actors. And then somehow we love them so much, we think that they're really smart people who need to be commenting on all the things in our society. This is not the case, by the way. Just because someone is a good actor doesn't mean they have any sort of a clue about politics. Um, but, you know, we, you know, 
political campaigns use that rather transparently, you know, to, you know, convince us that, oh, hey, well, you know, Robert De Niro likes this this character. You know, he's been going off on, you know, Donald Trump for a while. It's like, you know, if I'm representing Robert De Niro, I'm like, you should probably shut up because, you know, there, uh, it, you know, I hate to use a visual aid, but do you remember the map, you know, on election night, the map hasn't changed. And if you ever want to, you know, do business and have a, a movie marketed, you know, again, you know, there's, there's downside and upside of everything that we do in communications. You know, we're talking about the sword, right? Downside and upside. There is, Tons of downside for talking about President Trump. Every, all those states that voted, you know, the, the, all those states that voted, the blue states, you know, are, um, you know, they're on board with him. So if you come out and say anything, you know, negative about him, do so at your own risk. That's a big map, folks. That's a lot of real estate that voted his way. So uh, you should know that. You know, and and then if there's no upside for you, if the upside is, well, I just feel a little bit better about myself, or whatever. Um, the phrase "save it for your solo album," you know, uh, seems very apropos right here. You know, you want to save that. You know, you want to write that down on a little piece of paper and do a little Abraham Lincoln action and throw that in a little magical chest that you have and nobody else sees. And then you're happy because you wrote it and nobody saw it, so you still have a job. You know. Um. When you don't have any business saying anything about a subject, don't say it. You know, if you're if if I'm PR counsel and I'm working for let's say a biotech company and and something comes up in the entertainment industry and they ask this biotech company to comment for some reason, we don't have anything to comment there. There are plenty of other people who do, um but it's not us. You know, I mean know what you're there for know why you're commenting. Know if if you're going to comment on something, if you think it's going to, you know, um, uh, strategically, if it's going to bring you closer to your audience, and 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 those kind of things, then by all means do so. But don't feel like you there is a pressure on on you as an organization um, or you know anyone you know doing communications to have to have uh, an opinion about everything. Um, you know, no action or staying quiet can be very a very good strategy. And especially politically charged topics. You want to enter into politics as a brand. You want to enter into politics at your own risk. You want to be really, really careful about that. Uh, again, make sure you're weighing uh, potential downside versus potential upside before, this is really important, you weigh the downside and the upside before you speak. It's not good to sit in the room with the attorneys afterwards and go, well, apparently that had a lot of downside. Yeah, it did. It sure did. Uh, the third instance when staying quiet is better is um, in a crisis when you do not have the facts. Really, really important. When we talk about crisis communication, what we talk about, you get the facts, right? You don't rush in and hold a press conference and go, you know, thoughts and prayers and 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 we don't have any information for you. It is bad for everybody. It makes your organization look bad. The media are unf- are not nice about it. It's it's just because they got a job to do. Um, one of the most famous ones that I can remember 
is um, at, just hours after the San Bernardino shooting a few uh, a few years ago, President Obama, you know, comes out and basically says we need to have more gun control in this country and and we need to have you know guns and he's he's blaming guns within like an hour of it happening. And turns out it was not guns. It was, yes, on the big board, terrorism for 100 points. That's right. It was, you know, it was terrorists. You know, so it's like, you know, when you when you come out early and you don't have the facts, you should have just shut it until you have the facts. It's really, really, uh, the, the, the part about having the facts is really, really important. Remember our episode on uh, the science of BS, right? Uh, what did the researchers say? They said um, that there's two things that that you know contribute to the idea of having BS. One is the pressure to have an opinion, and the second is no uh, responsibility for the repercussions of the information. Right. So if you're, you know, don't don't BS people. Scientifically speaking, you know, in a crisis when you don't have the facts, you know, don't speak. Stay quiet. Stay quiet until you do. Um, you know, and, and this is taught when we do media training for folks and we do, you know, exercises and, and, and working on folks, we, we explain to them that, you know, if somebody, just because somebody, you know, throws the ball to you, somebody asks you a question does not mean you have to answer it. Now, I'm not saying you want to do like a LeBron James on him. And, uh, you know, he was a little upset at the outcome of uh, last night's um, finals game. And um, he sat down, and then people started asking him some questions, and he just kind of stood up without a word and just left. <laughs> and that is also, that is not the way you handle it. Um, uh, but he apparently didn't have anything to add, uh, you know. And the, the best way to handle that would be not to come out in front of the uh, the press and, and have that press conference and waste everybody's time uh, rather than get up and leave. It doesn't, um, you know. If you're, I'm, I'm just saying. So anyway, uh, the fourth time when staying quiet is better is when you've been talking too much. I mean, you know, we talk about reaching frequency all the time, man, but it's just like, you know, uh, so I go into companies and I look at all these things that they are inflicting upon their audience. Oh, well, we've got, you know, because, and I don't know if it's because the marketing department wants to feel justified in their job and that they think it's like a volume business and the more crap we can create and send out, the greater it's going to be. This, here's my lesson, marketing people of the world. More stuff does not equal better stuff, right? That is never true. Sending out more stuff, in, in my opinion, amplifies your risk of your audience leaving you. Um, you know, we talk about uh, musician's friend. Musician's friend uh, thinks that I want to hear from them every single day. They they love me. They they're excited. They are excited to talk to me every day. And, and by talk to me, I mean sell me something. And and they send me the you know the stuff every day. Sometimes multiple things in the same day. Um, you know. And I click on a couple of them because they have like stupid deal of the day and that kind of fun, neat, you know, fun, you know, cool stuff like that. So, but, um, so maybe I'm, you know, feeding the, uh, the algorithms with my uh, behavior, but, but if you've been talking for a while, you know, you might want to see what it sounds like without your voice in the mix for a little while. Um, you know, 
uh, if you've been sending out an email every day, if you are, you know, and this goes for social media too. Um, uh, I, I don't want to hear from every brand that I know about every single day. Pick your shots, be spectacular in your moment and shine and then go the hell away for a long time and then come back with something amazing, incredible, come back and wow, we really missed you. That was great. That kind of thing. But just, you know, monitor that frequency. Really, really important. And then uh, the fifth time when staying quiet is always going to be better is when you are angry or frustrated. Uh, LeBron, LeBron James <laughs> was angry and frustrated and, uh, you know, got up and sort of made a scene about not answering any questions and made some poor headlines uh, because of that behavior today. So, you know, remember what Abe did, right? Let's 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 go back to the Abraham Lincoln thing, right? Uh, when you're angry and frustrated, you know, some just maybe don't send it, you know, maybe maybe stay quiet. Maybe find find a way that you can deal with your anger and frustration that doesn't expose your organization, um, you know, to the downside of risk of uh, of communications, because um, you know it can absolutely happen. So, what did we learn today, folks? We know that communications can be a very sharp tool to get stuff done, and we know that tool can come back and cut us really quickly if we're not careful. Uh, I don't think enough marketers really respect the other side of the sword enough and they don't, you know, employ the, well, Hey, let's just not say anything strategy enough either. You know, calculated silence is very strategic. And so the next time that you're, you know, let's say the next time you're searching for just the right words, you know, you might want to try using none at all. That's some advice from me to you. And that's it from me, folks. Until next week, this has been Scott Robertson, host of May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Media. You guys have a great weekend. We'll see you next week with a good show. Later. Bye-bye. You know what's all around you every waking moment of your life? Marketing. You're choking on it. I'm Scott Robertson, and when it comes to strategic PR, branding, and marketing, I've seen it all. And actually, I'm still seeing it because bad marketing never sleeps. Join me each week on May the Best Brand Win right here on Intertalk Radio and learn how to make the marketing for your brand unforgettable. Hi, this is Tim Dolbear from Eclectica Studios. I'm a full-time mixing and recording engineer. I work with Grammy winners, labels, and indie artists using state-of-the-art digital mixing and restoration tools and the very best in analog gear. Really, though, it's my ability to bring tracks to life and fulfill your vision for your music. This has made me sought after by producers and artists worldwide. So spend your time working on music and not chasing a mix down a rabbit hole. Go to TimDolbear.com and check out our free one-song mix offer. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio. To sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal, on stage, and into the big time. Dropping beats, shredding guitar, or making the crowd roar. Whatever you dream, Pitbull Audio can help make it happen. We are Pitbull Audio. We want you to play it loud. PitbullAudio.com. Thank you.
This is Jackie Bertoni from Jackie's Groove. Come join me weekly on my journey through the music business as I take you behind the velvet rope, interviewing industry notables such as Al Dimiola, Michael McDonald, and Al Jerome, to name but a few. Listen to their stories on being in the studios recording number one hits and onto the stages throughout the globe. Allow me to be your music historian. You can hear me live every Monday at 2 p.m. and every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time or 24-7 on Jackie's Groove.com. Ready to get your groove on? Mm-hmm. 